Station now number one for podcasting. From the Jeff Rose Barbecue Studios, where every Tuesday buy 10 wings, get 10 wings free. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon here on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours. Appreciate you spending your morning here, some of it, uh, with Trent and I as we talk sports with you. The BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. At the bottom of the hour, 10.30 or thereabouts, uh, Adam Emenecker from the 2008 Drake Bulldogs uh, will join us. We'll preview the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, see if uh, Adam's got a dark horse perhaps that he thinks might be able to make a run. Someone outside that uh, those top four would seem like you could uh, you know, put them all in a hat and draw out names and be happy with uh, whichever one of those schools that you uh, pulled. Uh, but Adam Emenecker at 10.30. At 11.05, we're going to talk some baseball. Is this the day we get an agreement? The players, the owners come together. They met till the wee hours of the morning hashing some things out. It seems, on the surface, uh, that they're very close. Does that mean they're going to cross the finish line? Well, no, not necessarily, but uh, certainly feel some optimism that they will. There is a 5 o'clock deadline, 4 o'clock Central Time, to get the deal done uh, in order to avoid opening day being postponed. So Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com, he joins us every week during the baseball season. He'll be here today at 11.05. And then Matt Poston's going to catch up on the Big 12 with Matt Poston's Baylor, another a really impressive win, 48 hours after knocking off Kansas. They come right back on the road in the Irvin Center. Uh, is it? Did you realize it was closing last? That was the final game? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, they played some non-conference games in like the gym that they play volleyball in. And I think they had a students-only game. They did do that. I knew that. Yep. So, yeah, I knew it was coming to an end. But here we go, brand new building. and They don't know how to spend all the money that they have, Trent. You can't world, donate huh? to the football program. No, you can't? You can't. Now... This was five or six years ago that this story came out. Maybe they're not so flush now, Mm -hmm. but there was um, uh, donors that wanted to donate to football, and we don't need any more money. Can we interest you in swimming? Honestly, (laughs) they would try and uh, direct those funds uh, to some other sports. Well, can't you just say it's going to the football team, but it's not really going to the football team? Right, the athletic program or whatever. Uh, Anyways, uh, Baylor, uh, caught my eye. Yes, the last two games, starting to think that maybe I backed the wrong horse in the Big 12. They've figured it out without JTT. Mm-hmm. And now... And they will not have him. Yeah, he's not coming back. No. This is going to be a team. And Adam Flagler. I just Again love Again last night, yeah. right? Jeez. He's tough. Yes. Uh, and they're going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are they? They're double digits. Oh, no, look at you. Are you looking at another future? you got to slow down I over there. I can't bet them all, Ken. I'm going to have 30 of the 68 teams, for crying out loud. And you'll win. But and you, lose. But you won't make money. Right, but I won't lose as much. Uh, anyways, um, so yes, Matt Postens will join us on the Big 12. Iowa State, the women last night failed to get it done. Baylor just uh, overmatched them, quite honestly. I watched the second quarter uh, of the basketball game. Uh, Pam Ward, who I wasn't, I mean, 
I don't watch a lot of women's basketball, admittedly. Mm-hmm. I didn't know she was still calling games. Yeah, yeah, it does a good job on the women's yeah. side of things. I, here I, I didn't the mind her in football, Trent. Yeah. I, I was the one. I'll raise my hand. I, I didn't mind her in football. And I know a lot of those, uh, that I'm in the minority, but I thought she was okay. I really did. I think she's better than, who's the female broadcaster now that does a lot of games? Moens? Yeah, Beth Moens. Well, her voice is just, but the at pirate. the same time, I could listen to her do baseball all day long. Excellent. She's really good. Really good. Anyways, uh, so Iowa State goes down. Uh, so let's get to Carver Hawkeye and um, really cool scenes before the game with the senior day ceremonies, everybody going through. I mean, the game had everything, right? Mm-hmm. He had the best player on the floor. And if there was a higher league, Keegan Murray would be in it. Let's get that out there right now. He was. There is. It's called the NBA. Yeah, and that's where he's going to play. <laughs> yes. Um, but, but I mean at this level, but you're right. Uh, and Trent, he's just, he's man against boys. He's just incredible. You know, how much better he looks than anybody in Northwestern. It was great to see Connor McCaffrey making some shots. Mm-hmm. Jay Bo, same thing. Two of my favorite Hawkeyes. Um, you know, when if I had to come up with a list of the 25 years, they might, they would be on it. I'm pretty sure. I love Connor McCaffrey. I really do. Going back to him and Michael Jacobson getting that set to going a few years back and Jacobson surrounded by Hawkeyes as all the Cyclones had moved to the other end of the floor. <laughs> Good for Jake, who's still trying to carve out an NFL career. NBA career? No. NFL career. What? He was, he was with the Seahawks uh-huh. on the practice squad. And I guess he must have got cut. Uh-huh. And he's now on another roster. Really? NFL. That's wild. Well, remember him in high school? Oh, absolutely. I, I thought he was playing the wrong sport. I agree with you. Yeah. I thought that, boy, this is, he made a bad decision here. Um, that goes to Nebraska, obviously, ends up at Iowa State, part of that uh, Big 12 uh, champion tournament team. Um, so it worked out well for Jacobson. But now, yeah, he's trying to catch on in the NFL. That's great. Hope Maybe it works. The Colts? You know what, Ken? You've got Google right in front of you. Why don't you at some point take a look at that? Anyways, um, Iowa and, and Northwestern from last night. Yeah, McCaffrey was terrific. Um, Bohannon was, was fun to watch. Maybe the highlight of the night, though. How about the manager? Jack Devlin. What a great What's story. What's his story? Was. I don't know his story. He's been a four-year manager. Yeah. He's been with the basketball team. He has Down syndrome. Does have, he really? Yeah, very high-functioning and just beloved. And oh, you could see that. There was a, a story on him, BTN, one of those BTN stories about him. You know, yeah, Lysticow tweeted it. I didn't open the link. Watch it. Yeah, I, Is that you'll, right? You'll be very moved. Yeah, very good. And for people that don't know, uh, in my prior life, my full-time job before mm-hmm. I started doing this full-time, is I was a special ed teacher and did that for over a decade and worked with a lot of different populations, a lot of different groups of uh, kids. My last group was level three, which is the lowest functioning group, but did a lot of work, do a lot of work with Special Olympics. It's something mm-hmm. that still is very a big part of my life. And stories like that are just so endearing. And you see them and they come up and they happen a lot. At the end of a basketball game, a high school basketball game, you see a kid oh, that gets those, in yeah. and it doesn't matter how many right. times I see it. And watching that last night mm-hmm. and seeing you're up 20. Right. Nobody's watching. The, yeah. Nobody's listening to Fran in the timeout. Mm-mm. And to see the way he was mobbed. Oh, it's awesome. You know, he's coming out with the three goggles afterwards. <laughs> it just, he had a great time with it. He's a beloved guy, part of the program. Right. And those are the stories. We love sport. We love mm-hmm. inside the lines, what we see. And that's what we talk about here, <laughs> 10 to noon every single day. But those are the kind of stories that also bring something different, bring a different kind of levity to the game. And, and 
watched the uh, piece again last night about Jack and and brought a tear to my I eye. I will watch it, and you will. Yes. you will. Well, I'll cry. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I will. It's really, really good. Uh-huh. Like you said, Lysticow tweeted it. If you yeah. missed it. Give yourself five, ten minutes and watch that piece. I think you'll really like it. And BTN did it, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, tell you a little bit more of the story of him mm. and, and what everybody inside that program, oh, what he means gosh. to them. Yeah, that was remarkable. Even Fran McCaffrey. I mean, yes. Fran comes back. And, so what? Uh, I mean, this isn't tradition, right? I mean, why, no. was, why, was he, why did he go out there in the first place? I think year? it was just that. You know, we see those, you know, you see different guys that get opportunities late in the game. Well, you're not mm-hmm. going to do that in a D1 college game, sure. but we'll give him a chance. So. It was Laura Vandenberg mm-hmm. called him out there. They do the halftime, you know, during timeouts because there was a woman that shot a three ball for some prize. Somebody golfed. Okay, yeah, they and do then the I golf think, thing, yeah. and I think that they showed a a student, a female student, make a three. I think I watched a lot of basketball last night. Well, and I when I was at Carver last week, uh, my buddy who goes to pretty much every game both men's and women's, and he said, there's been six or seven times that somebody's hit a half-quarter this year and you get free football tickets. Ticket, I thought. Yeah, well, you get to, yeah, well, seven tickets, I guess it is, over the course of the season. But regardless, it's happened a lot this season. But they just called him out there, he goes, and that's also part of what they do at the end of practices. That's kind of Jack's thing. That's what he does, is everybody is hoisting him up at the end and having fun at the end of practice. Jack's been good at it, so they gave him a chance to do it. With uh, with people in the crowd and what a moment! Oh, it was. what an incredible! That was so cool. Glad I uh, glad I saw it. I will go home and I will watch that piece. The other takeaway from the game was last night was Connor McCaffrey. Ash didn't want to shoot the basketball. Yes, yeah. Connor McCaffrey was making sure that Ash shot the passes it over to Connor. Connor with some heat, uh, a chest pass back to him. Ash throws it back to him again. Connor, I don't know if he said anything, but made sure that he knew that uh, you're taking the shot. And swish. Did you see the side by side Caitlin Clark's deep three pointer from the Carver no, logo from, I didn't from the see, Hawkeye yeah, logo? I knew that yeah, same proximity to where Ash hit his. Ash is about two and a half feet, three feet longer. Is that right? Yeah, so now Caitlin's got something to shoot for. Maybe in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> a challenge. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> got to go a little bit deeper here as Austin Nash now has got you beat right. on those long range in the offense threes. Oh, that was great. Hey, domination. Is anybody playing better than Iowa in the Big Ten right now? No, <laughs> I don't think so. They're playing defense, Trent. Now here again, it was against Northwestern, right? And Nebraska on Friday, right? And you look at the this streak outside of the Michigan game. Mm-hmm. Michigan State's okay, but they're not world. Well, Michigan things. State looked really good on Saturday, yeah, but they're they're not great. No, that's bad. You look at it; it's not. They didn't beat Purdue, Wisconsin, sure. Ohio. Well, they did beat Ohio State, I guess. Mm-hmm. But they haven't beat, I guess, the top. How about Illinois, Purdue, and Wisconsin? That's not these wins that they pile Well, up. Sunday night, we'll get a chance to see them against yes, Illinois. But, but Trent, they are um, in complete control, mm-hmm. uh, both offensively and defensively. Um, th- this team is playing exceptionally well. You uh, mentioned I, the defense part. Mm-hmm. And one thing, remember how many times we came in and, what are they doing with that stupid 1-3-1 one, one zone? Mm-hmm. And giving up corner three after corner three. I want to find... The analytics site, and somebody maybe can help me out there. I went to Ham Analytics. I went to Bart Torvik, of course, Ken Palm. I'm looking for all these different analytics sites, and I'm trying to find if there is something out there that shows how much zone Iowa was playing at the beginning of the year compared to oh. how much they're playing right now because it feels like, again, on the surface, not I'm not charting things as I'm watching the games, but 
are they pay, playing it maybe half as much as they once did? Say they played it 30% of percentages before and it's maybe 15% now. Because you just don't see that zone nearly as often as you did feel like at the beginning of the season. So I'm going to keep digging. If anybody knows a place where you can find that information, mm-hmm. hit me up on Twitter at Trent Condon. I would love to see it because you're right. The, the zone defense hasn't been there. And because of that, the man-to-man is very good. Yes. And guys that aren't great defenders, Tony Perkins is the pest. Yeah, he he can get in there and he gets steals and he makes it difficult. We know that second unit with Toussaint and Ulis, what they mm-hmm. can do defensively. Glad to see Toussaint get more minutes last night, by the way. But how about Bohannon on that end? He mm-hmm. is working. Yes, he, is, he is. And you brought this up, what, end of January maybe or beginning of February, whatever it was, where he said he's working a lot harder on that end of the floor and that has shown up in a big way. Mm-hmm. This team, they're not going to wow you. This is not Iowa State well, Keegan Murray will. But... <laughs> If they can just be adequate because oh, they're so skilled yes, yes. on the offensive end of the mm-hmm. floor, they're going to win. Well, how about Ash diving on the floor yes. after he made his three? I mean, it's 20, some 26, 27 points, but he was going to take full advantage of every one of the six minutes that he played yesterday. Makes his three, and then he's diving on the floor after a loose ball. Um, it's good to see. It was a fun night, and it's, I'm kind of glad it was a blowout, right, mm-hmm. uh, where they could do what they wanted. they get Devlin. They could have that celebration. Uh, they could get. I didn't think Keegan Murray was going to come back into the game when he left. Right. I was surprised he came back into the game. Didn't need to. No, didn't need to. Could have gone the other unit. Uh-huh. What do you think of Patrick McCaffrey, the hip injury now? Of course, didn't play last night. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it seems to me, Trent, listening to it, that if this would have been a Big Ten get tournament game, mm-hmm. That he would have played. Let's say it's again close on Thursday, close for him playing. Mm-hmm. Or do you just get a more rest? And just well, that that double buys out there. That's right. You're right. Yeah, and you're playing for a lot there uh-huh. because obviously the Michigan game more winnable than the Illinois. Yeah, game of the two. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. If it's kind of that fifty-fifty coin flip, yeah, he can go. But if he does, is it something that's an injury that's easy to re-aggravate? Well, you don't have to play him in full complement of minutes as, as well. But if he's hurting the team, you don't want him out on the floor. I mean, yeah. if he can't beat Patrick McCaffrey. And he's been good down the stretch. Yes, he has. I mean, he's who who hasn't been good? Seriously. <laughs> he's right. I, I can't think of anybody. I can't think of anybody either. Robracha fills his role? He does. I mean, he didn't score last night. He didn't play as many minutes as normal. But he fills his role. He doesn't yes. have to. No. He's doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody's playing well. Fran Fade, no more. No, not this year. That's for sure. And after last season, we've seen it. Really, I think the Fran Fade came from that two-year stretch. And the one of them, they have a great excuse. Patrick, though he wasn't part of the team, he got cancer. And that team yeah, good point. fell apart. That was mm-hmm. also the year where their schedule was completely interrupted by that stupid beam falling over at Assembly <laughs> Hall in Indiana. Yeah. They were on their way over there. Then mm-hmm. they had to come back. Then they had to reschedule the game. And, and you had a lot going on inside the program during that season. I also still maintain that year they got to the tournament, played Tennessee in the first four, and got beat. You look at that resume at the whole as a whole, because remember, last 10 games is not part of the criteria, right, right. and it wasn't at that time. Their resume, they shouldn't have been playing in Dayton. And how different maybe it could have been. Maybe. That was an overtime game. Mm-hmm. Tennessee made a run that year. Mm-hmm. Mercer beat Duke on that side of the bracket. That was the year we talk about the bracket never opening up for Iowa. 
It actually opened up that year. Mm. They just lost in overtime to Tennessee. Mm. Disappointing. What could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's get to the other Iowa news that I certainly think is going to go over. I like the proverbial fart in church. Uh, Brian Ferentz uh, is now the quarterback's coach. I'll, I'll throw it to you. Um, Abdul Hodge seems like I mean, he's absolutely qualified, right? Oh, yes, yeah. this, is a, this is a really good hire. But when we were talking about Tossing some names around when it became apparent that uh, their O'Keefe is gone, they're going to need a new quarterbacks coach. Well, who do you want? Who can take this position to? Because they got all the other pieces, mm-hmm. they just need to get more play, better play out of their quarterback position. Throw out a bunch of names, and ultimately, Brian Ferentz is going to be entrusted with taking those quarterbacks to the next level. Your thoughts? Don't like it on the surface. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Quarterback play at Iowa, where they are right now, what we've seen, the progression of a quarterback. And we've talked about the fate of Iowa quarterbacks, and it's more win-based than it is statistical-based. And we talk about regression that comes from the quarterback position, and that's played out. It's a win-loss record thing, though. It's not statistically. But that aside, you have an offense that is not good. No two ways about it, not good. And the quarterback position has not been good. And to, for all intents and purposes, double down mm-hmm. and just say, no, we believe in what we do. Isn't a little bit of a slap in the face? Your offense was in the hundreds. Uh-huh. Your offense has been, frankly, bad. It seems like a missed opportunity, Trent. Yeah, it seems missed oppor- like, that's a yeah. good way to put it. Missed opportunity for Iowa football where you could have done make something. make a change. Again, nobody is going to think that they're going to go out there and run the air raid and the oop-de-oop, <laughs> and they're going to come out there five wide every single play. Because ultimately the head coach has to sign off. We understand that, regardless of who they bring in. You can bring in the Mike Leach protege, and he's mm-hmm. not going to be able to run the offense mm-hmm. that he wants because it's going to be ultimately what Kirk wants. But some new ideas, some fresh ideas, some mm-hmm. going outside and maybe upsetting your comfort zone just a little bit offensively Boy, you think it'd make a whole lot of sense. It would be a perfect opportunity here. They took the easy way out. The football program took the easy way out. And this is nothing against Abdul Hodge, who I think will be fine in his role. I mean, look, at it. look what he's done. I loved him as a player. Uh-huh. He was one of my favorites and, and talked to a lot of people that knew Abdul in college. Nothing but great things to say. How long was he him. in the NFL for? A handful of years? Did he make it five? I think you've got... I think. He was with Cincinnati, then Green Bay. Green Bay, I remember. I think Green Bay drafted him, did they not? I thought Cincinnati drafted him. But did they? Yeah, regardless, he ducked around. It was injuries, though, right away. Mm-hmm. And I was the guy on radio saying, Abdul Hodge is going to have a better NFL career than Chad Greenway. Oh, missed on that one. I've had a few of those <laughs> yeah, throughout the years. But I just thought he was a plug-and-play, 10 years in the league, playing middle linebacker, making smart plays. He was going to be there, and knee injuries ultimately derailed that opportunity for him. But this is not about Abdul Hodge. This is about Iowa mm-hmm. and the staff having an opportunity to to do something different. I wonder if they interviewed down. anybody. That's a great question. That's that's a now, good how one. Serious, how seriously did they take this opening, this mm-hmm. opportunity? Well, I'm sure they, they had to interview people. There's, yeah, but was there really a legitimate... Right. And we'll never know that part of it. I don't think we will either. Well, we'll see. I mean, the pressure's clearly on him mm-hmm. now, right? I mean, he will be the fall guy. Yes. Um, if this doesn't go well, because they've got a lot of pieces. There's no other way to point. Uh, and in a, a schedule that, I mean, everybody's coming through your place for the most part mm-hmm. uh, this year. So, But it is tough. No, it's tough. There's no doubt about you it. you got Michigan least... coming in. you got to mm-hmm. go to Ohio State this mm-hmm. year. The schedule ramps up in a big-time way this season. 7-5, and five, even with the talent coming back, it's not a stretch. Those close games that went their way a year ago, well, 
We saw a team on this side of the state of that happen yeah, too this year. Absolutely. Close games don't go your way in mm-hmm. a second season, and all of a sudden, that ten win season comes back the other way. Orange Bowl season. Yeah. Uh, remember, I'll vividly remember Steve Rowe telling, talking to me in Chicago Big Ten media days. He said, "Look at the margin for errors. Not that. Not that great." And turned out to be seven and five with a win over or eight and five with a win over Missouri, right? Yes, Blaine Gabbert um, and Micah Hyde made a play. In he that did, game. yeah, big Picked interception, big interception, right? Yeah. Right, right. Marcus right. Coker had a monster game in that one. Forgot about him. He was yeah. good. Yeah, he was. That that was a late game too, it was, was it not? Nine fifteen. I think it was kick or yeah. something like that at the Inside Bowl. Hmm. Well, uh, you did some uh, high school basketball yesterday. Let's get a quick recap of that from uh, Wells Fargo. You were on the Bull. You, you and John Lyme will be on the Bull tonight. Before we get to tonight, let's talk about yesterday. What did you see? Saw Valley knock off Des Moines Roosevelt. First of all, the Roosevelt student section and just fans in general showed up in a big time way. It was I awesome. I love the city schools, Trent. They were straight across from us, and it was, normally they have one section for the students. Mm-hmm. Two sections That's were taken good. up by the students. It was a great scene over there. They were loud. They were into it throughout the whole game. Valley, though, came up with a great game plan. Meredith Reeker, the only senior on the Valley squad. Really? Only senior, uh, second on the team in scoring. She was really good. She had four three-pointers. Also babysits for me, so Meredith. I like Meredith <laughs> nice. a lot. She's the easy one to root for. She's the one. That. I told you the story about a month ago. They were playing Johnson. She lost her tooth in the first quarter of the game. Chipped her tooth, came down on the floor, played the rest of the game. Went in there, got a little mouthpiece, played the rest of the game, and then had dental Sounds surgery like the next player. day. Yeah, tough one out there. She was really good in the game. And they have a sophomore. Her name is Elise Yeager. 6-1, can handle the ball. She had to have... I don't know, a dozen deflections. They played kind of a extended zone defense against Roosevelt. Made it difficult for the Rough Riders. She's one to watch, though, looking forward. Can handle it, can shoot it. 14 points, 17 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 steals. She was incredible for Valley yesterday. And now they get Waterloo West, who beat Centennial. That Waterloo West team is loaded. If anybody did they beat can them be, convinced, I didn't see the score. Was it? Uh, over, they beat them by ten. Them? It was yeah. It was kind of about that. Mm-hmm. Centennial got back into it a couple of different times, but Waterloo West had a response every time. Everybody's asked coming into this, can anybody beat Johnston? And my answer was always no. After seeing Waterloo West yesterday, mm. that's the team I think could upset Johnston. Dragon's still the favorite. But if there is a team, I think it'd be Waterloo. So that's uh, you. You're predicting that that's what you'll see on Friday night. I think that's what we'll see. Yep, mm-hmm. six o'clock. We'll have that game. Also on the bowl, the five A championship game. Uh, you can catch the coverage there starting at five forty five. My prediction would be Johnston versus Waterloo West. So what do you and uh, John Lamb have tonight? Tonight it is the sub-state final on the boys' side. Going to go to the Roundhouse on the south side. Such a great building. I've never. Well, I've uh, been, I've been in, in Lincoln, but I've never been inside the gym. Gotcha. It's great. It's one of those places I've always had on the bucket mm-hmm. list, and frankly, Lincoln hasn't been good at basketball in my yeah, almost right. 20 years now yeah. of calling basketball games here. But I'm excited to get over there. It'll be Urbandale, who upset Indianola a round ago. They'll get Waukee Northwest and Price Sanford and company. Should be a good one tonight, 645 with the pregame and 7 o'clock tip. Winner moves on to the state tournament. So what uh, have you got any more this week? Because um, Wednesday, Thursday? Wednesday, Thursday, no. We, right. uh, we have the 5A semifinals. They're Thursday morning. At okay. 10 o'clock and 11.45, uh, we'll, be yeah. we'll be at Wellman's with our Circa party, mm-hmm. so uh, we'll be out there for that. So it won't have play-by-play coverage, but we got updates all week long here on KXNO presented by Grinnell Mutual. Good stuff. Uh, we will be at Jethro's on Friday, and, and, and unfortunately, we won't have a lot of time to promote this mm-hmm. because... 
as we said, it's difficult to promote another restaurant when you're doing your show from a restaurant, <laughs> right, right. right? So I, it, it's our turn for our menu item, Miller and Condon Barba Stew. It's not on the menu yet, but whoever, uh, whichever of the four shows sells the most of their menu mm-hmm. wannabe item will have it added to the item. So for the next, I think it's four Fridays. Three Fridays after this one, ours is uh, available. The the um, price is ten dollars and sixty three cents for Miller and Condon Barba Stew. So tell me what Barba Stew is. I, I you came it's, up with the menu item. That's right. It's what I. Uh, it's how I eat my barbecue. Okay, I, I put it all in one big bowl, cut it all up, whether it be beans or corn or uh, brisket, and brisket will be part of it, and. Um, Mix it together? Mix it together. And it's delicious. It's delicious. All right. I'm and I in. think they're going to put some tater tots underneath it. All right. Get and nice and it's $10.63. So we will be doing our show on uh, Friday from Jethro's in uh, Lakeside Jethro's uh, it, um, in Ankeny there at, at uh, Prairie Trail. So we're out the next three days, tomorrow and the next day at Wellman's, and then Friday at Jethro's. The folks from Circle will be in town uh, tomorrow night, and then again on Thursday. They've got all their gear coming in, so we'll be there to promote the fact that they're in town. Yeah, chance to come out there, of course, get the gear, get signed up for the app if you haven't already, and also some ticket giveaways. Yeah, what tickets are they giving away? Do you know? Uh, There's talk of Big 12, maybe Big 10. Tournament. Yes. Got the Iowa State game, of course, on Wednesday, tomorrow night, and then the Iowa game on Thursday. So some game watches with that. I'm going to do an instant reaction podcast after the Iowa game out there on Thursday. So stop by. Want to talk Hawks? Hand me, hand you a mic. We'll have the Cyclone crew out there watching the game on Wednesday, both Wednesday and Thursday evening at Wellman's with Circus Sports. All right, we got to get to Adam Emenecker at the bottom of the hour. So Jeff, you've got uh, hate to cut you short, Jeff. We got like 30 seconds. Fire away. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know if you guys talked about Iowa women on Sunday, but um, you know, Caitlin doing her thing, 38 points. Uh, I don't know, it was the first sellout since, I think, 1987, 17, or 15,000 strong. ESPN2, uh, you know, their first high or outright uh, division title since the 80s. Um, you know, you guys always talk about moving the needle. Uh, it's time to give, I would say, Iowa women a little bit more pub than I think that we give them. And it's not just Caitlin. It's Gabby Marshall. It's Sananu. Uh, they got shooters all around them. Um it looks like you know maybe Iowa State might get some games in the uh, in the dance as well. Mm-hmm. So, but Iowa women Sunday, ESPN two. It's not like it's on ES, It's on you know Big Ten Plus. Right. It's on ESPN two, and it's getting a lot of national pub as well. So. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday. I mean, both schools were on ESPN two the last couple of days. Sunday for the Hawks, and then uh, yesterday for Iowa State. Look, I agree with you. Um, I, women's basketball is, is is clearly gaining popularity. It's it, there's no doubt about there's no doubt about it. We're seeing banged out crowds. Mm-hmm. Carver, as Jeff mentioned, the first sellout, and that story. They played Ohio State in that game back in late '80s, early '90s, whenever it was, and there were more than fifteen thousand five hundred. We that talked right? about. They had people that were in the aisle sitting. I think it was like eighteen thousand there. The fire marshal came, and apparently just turned his head <laughs> and allowed it to happen because they were beyond capacity. For that game, and never again for a basketball wow. game will there be more people there. But talked to a lot of people mm. that were at that game and just said it was nuts. I mean, concourse was shoulder to shoulder as the game was going on. People literally sitting in the aisle trying to find a mm. place just to sit down for that one and to see it banged out again for the first time since that one. Great environment. 
Caitlin Clark was unbelievable once again. I was listening to the game on the drive home from Sioux City, and and just to hear the crowd, kind of that background noise for a women's game, which at times it feels you can tell it's a little sparse there. Sure. Just to hear that environment for a women's game, it was it was great to hear. No, no, no. And then look at Iowa State fans showed up last night. They mm-hmm. would have been in full throat, but sadly it didn't go their way. Keith Murphy just tweeted, "Boy, this is a hell of a haul for the Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year." A.J. Green. Mm-hmm. Freshman of the year, Tucker DeVries. Sixth man of the year, Bowen Bourne. How about that for a little local flavor? Yes. Bowen Bourne. Oh, I don't know if he can play in the MVC. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's going to be big enough. Boy, he was terrific uh, on Saturday. Speaking of the Missouri Valley Conference, Adam Emmenecker's next. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. In West Des Moines. Hold on. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, 1035 Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. If you missed it, A.J. Green. Uh, Larry Bird, Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year, Freshman of the Year, Tucker DeVries, Sixth Man of the Year, Bowen Bourne. Well, we've got a uh, Larry Bird Trophy winner on hold. He was the Player of the Year in 2008 in that conference. He's Adam Emmenecker, and he joins us. Hello, Adam. Good to catch up with you. Trent and Ken, how have you been? Hey, Ken. Hey, Trent. Good to see you guys. Good to talk to you. I'm doing, uh, doing well. Can't, can't complain. I watched a lot of your work. Uh, ESPN Plus has been really good for the Missouri Valley Conference. Saw you do a number of games. Uh, have you got any assignments in St. Louis, or is, your, or is your season done, Adam? Nope, done for now. I always wait for that emergency phone call. But yeah. I, I think, like you, like you talked about, I mean, just the, the evolution over the years, great planning by the league, by the Missouri Valley, getting that agreement with ESPN Plus. So fun to be able to watch all these teams, any home game, and especially in the league. Not only does it make it easy to, to, to stay on top of who's doing what and how teams are playing, but having the replays available mm-hmm. means there's plenty of good Missouri Valley Conference basketball at all times. No doubt about it. So before we get into the, the season we just saw, and I may have asked you this uh, over the years, Adam, um, but when you guys go into St. Louis, right, you go as the regular season champion, how much mm-hmm. is there additional pressure knowing that you know, there's probably not going to be a, a safety net of uh, you know two teams because, you know again, that looks unlikely. Uh, I wish I was wrong, but most years, it's uh, at least recently, there's only one team that you get in. But as the champion of the regular season, is there more pressure knowing that, yeah, regardless of what we just did over the last few months, if we don't have a good weekend in St. Louis, we're not going to get to walk on the blue carpet of the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I mean, if, I, if I'm going back to revisionist history and trying to remember what was in our heads at that time, you know, we, we were in the top 25, so I think we were probably pretty solidly in, but still felt like, you know, with the, you have a lot to prove. And, and part of what you want to prove, if you're the, the champion, if you're in first place at the end of the regular season, you want to prove again that you're the best team, and you get to do that in a, in a tournament environment, and you get to avoid any potential sweating that goes along with, with sitting on the bubble and I think like you talked about, Loyola, based on their net ranking, you know, they're, they're still a top 40 net team, which means that they have a pretty decent opportunity at least to be considered. But they need a good showing in St. Louis. Everybody else, pretty high expectations coming into the year, whether that's Northern Iowa, whether that's Missouri State, whether, Missouri State, whether that's Drake. All of those teams just didn't do enough in the non-conference. And it's not that they lost games other than maybe a couple for Missouri State. Northern Iowa and Drake didn't lose games that they shouldn't, 
necessarily. It's just that they never got the big win. You and I, the St. Bonaventure win was a big win, but they didn't have enough. And so that, that just means there's a lot of pressure on, on the players, three games in three days for both of those groups, all three of them, that uh, that, that really is your shot. Otherwise, you're looking at uh, maybe a, a less prestigious tournament. One more look back, and I think a lot of people remember that Sunday culminating the championship on CBS as you guys beat Illinois State, but the game before against Creighton in the semifinals came down to the wire. You hit some big free throws down at the end. Remember that well as you dispatched the Blue Jays, who were really talented themselves. Take us back to that game. I think people remember the championship and cutting down the nets and everything. How about the semifinal win against Creighton? And you knew there were tons of Blue Jay fans, as always, inside that building. Yeah, well, that you know, the the valley does look a little bit different today than it than it did years ago, and it'll be even more different next year. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but definitely fond memories of the rivalry with Creighton. I mean, Creighton almost felt like a second in-state rival, and and under Dana Altman, man, they were successful year in and year out, and had over twenty wins going into the NBC tournament that year, and and it, it was a good team, a top fifty RPI. And, you know, I, I think for us, one of the things that uh, that we just had a lot of balls bounce our way in the sense that we had a lot of confidence at the end of the game. And we had a lot of confidence that we were going to step up and execute. And that was that was a good Creighton team and plenty of respect for them. But uh, we also felt like we were we were on a mission to uh, to accomplish some of our goals. And, and one of those was making sure we got through the semifinal. And, and as you mentioned, trying to cut down the net. That that thirty point win by over Illinois State in the championship not only was very nice for us, actually, unfortunately, knocked them out of NCAA tournament mm. contention. Tucker DeVries, freshman of the year, Adam. Uh, he doesn't look like a freshman. He's not built like a freshman. He looks like an upperclassman. Uh, he's going to be so fun to watch as his career unfolds uh, on Forest Avenue. Uh, does he remind you of anybody? And 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 what's his ceiling when you watch Tucker DeVries play? Yeah, I mean, six foot seven, long arms, shoots the absolute heck out of the basketball. And, you know, we've definitely seen a lot of growth and maturation. But also remember, I mean, and part of the adjustment to the college game as freshmen is getting to know your teammates, getting to know their styles, getting to know their personality and figuring out where you can fit in. Tucker DeBreeze has been around this program ever since Darren DeBreeze has been around this program, ever since all these guys have been around the program, right? So, I think part of what you're seeing in his success, not only a, a credit to him in terms of his work ethic and his skill set and all those things, but I, I think part of it is just the culture of the group, the acceptance that they have of someone who's really kind of been tangential to the team this whole time. And, you know, just the, the power of what he's able to do offensively. When you look at the Drake freshman record books, whether it's blocks and steals, whether it's points, whether it's assists, whether it's pretty uh, three pointers. I mean, pretty much across the board, he's got a chance to to be near the top of of all those record books. And you know, if you if you're talking about what does he have a chance to be, freshman of the year is a good start. Uh, <laughs> being up toward that newcomer of the year in the conference is a new start. But what you know, he's he's got a chance next year to be the best player in the league, mm-hmm. and that's that's full stop. And if if you look at his six foot seven frame and his skill set, the ability to shoot the ball is one of the most coveted skill sets, not only in college basketball, but in professional basketball as well. And I won't put any undue pressure on his shoulders for what that means in the future, but uh, he, he's, his, his future is really, really bright. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's unselfish. He puts in the work, and uh, you know he gets to enjoy a little fruit of that labor and the success that he earned as, as freshman of the year. 
Roman Penn, when you look at this guy, the straw that stirs the drink, he is the facilitator for this team, does so much. He's been banged up a lot this year, hasn't been certainly 100%. Where do you see him health-wise and, and just his importance if Drake is going to win three games in a row and get back to the NCAA tournament, what he means to the squad? Yeah, I mean, he, he means a ton. And not only is he the primary facilitator, he brings a lot of toughness on defense. He rebounds the ball pretty well. He's always in the right spots, and he's solid. But he's also the closer. I mean, he's the guy coming down the stretch against Southern Illinois, and you can say pretty much any game over the course of the last three years that he's been in a Drake uniform, he's the one taking the shot in the last two minutes, right? He's the one with the ball in his hands, making the play and taking the shot. So, you know, as I think about where he is health-wise, listen, every team as you get into March is banged up. And for this Drake group, they're experienced, and sometimes with experience comes more nagging injuries. And, and for Roman Penn, what I, what I look at and worry about, and I, and I know, and worries may be strong, but what I know Darren DeBreeze is thinking about is how do we make sure that we focus on the game at hand, but we also plan for the course of three days. And that is a, that is a very, very delicate balance when you have guys that have been banged up and have some of those nagging injuries. So no doubt, uh, Roman Penn is, plays a huge role in whatever Drake wants to do. No doubt he's going to be motivated coming into this, into Arch Madness and the NBC tournament. But I will be curious to see, get past day one, beat Southern Illinois, get into day two, maybe play in Missouri State. If they get to day three, I'll be very curious to just see where are the legs, how's the team feeling, and how fresh are they. But got to get through those first two rounds first. No doubt. Uh, I want to get to Sturts in a second, who had a double-double on, on Saturday. Uh, but Wilkins left the floor. Uh, any update on, on on his injury, Adam? What have you, If anything, have you heard about his uh, pro- prognosis as far as playing in St. Louis? Yeah, nothing, nothing specific that I've heard. But, you know, just interesting, D.J. Wilkins is, has almost been uh, just a model of consistency in terms of 120 starts throughout his career. He's been on the floor. We, we've talked about Tank Hemphill and Roman mm-hmm. Penn and their injuries in the past. D.J. Wilkins has, has kind of been the strong man that continues to stay in the lineup. Unfortunate for him to go down, but if anybody's going to recover and be back on the floor, it's D.J. It'll be a rematch against Southern Illinois. Saluki's made a bit of a run late in that game after the injury uh, to get back in it, but ultimately Drake gets the win five in a row going into the tournament. A rematch, playing a team that you just played. How difficult is that? Preparation, obviously, a lot easier, but maybe the motivation on the other side trying to get one back. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I think if, if, and you would never hear this from the coaching staff, you would never hear this from the players, but I think on a relative basis, they are much happier to be seeing the Southern Illinois Salukis than they are seeing Bradley. Bradley was a yeah, team that Drake yeah. just struggled with. And if Drake was in that four hole, which they could have been, had Loyola beat Northern Iowa mm-hmm. just coming down the home stretch of the season, that would have been a, a pretty tall task. But, you know, I, I think what, what you get with Southern, they are, they are pretty consistent in what they do. So from a game planning perspective, yes, it's fresh, but they're going to be super physical. They're really, really good on the defensive side, and they play a slower pace. And when they play the slower pace and, and willing to run some shot clock on the offensive side, what that means is you pretty much have to be locked in at all times. You have to minimize your mistakes. So from a matchup standpoint, I, I think Drake has to feel pretty good about the matchup. Obviously, they've beaten the team twice, beaten the Salukis twice. But I, I think to your point, Trent, I mean, just going from a game plan to this team or for this team, and then I have to do it again a few days later, it's a little different. 
One interesting note, though, if you think back to how the Valley structured their schedule last season, teams are more accustomed to this than they Mm -hmm. have ever been. It was two teams playing either at home or away. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the same home and home. You played at the same location. So we'll see if, if that lends itself to any just additional comfort for this Drake team after having to go through it last year. Um, Adam Emenecker is with us. A few more minutes uh, with the uh, Larry Bird Trophy winner from 2008. Uh, uh, Garrett Sturts, uh, double-double. Six of his rebounds were on the offensive uh, end of the floor, which just between the years, he's such a smart player. Uh, the hard hat, it, it absolutely fits him to a T. Uh, have you heard, because he's got an opportunity, I believe, Adam, uh, to take full advantage of his COVID year and come back for another season. Do you know what his plans are for next year? Not not anything specific other than the fact that they did not celebrate him for senior night. And and so I think that is I think that is a, a, a good indication that Garrett Sturts and, and guys like Roman Penn, DJ Wilkins will are are considering at least being back in uniform next year. And you know, I I just think of I think a few things. I mean this group you can tell they just get along so well and they, they really like each other. They really like playing basketball and, and obviously uh, Garrett Sturts embodies that as well as anybody, but the culture under, under Darren DeVries and, and just the guys not only want to be around, but you look at the staff and, and Brady Ellingson there and you have Nick Norton who came back and is, is now on staff. So you have all these guys who have been affiliated just in the short four years that Darren DeVries has been there. And no one's in a hurry to get out. I, I think that is a huge testament to the culture. And, and Garrett Sturtz is a big part of the expectation setting of that culture. It would surprise me not to see him in uniform next year, but I don't say that with any inside information. Gotcha. Let's leave Drake aside. They're your alma mater. It's a team that you cover on a pretty much game-by-game basis. The rest of the MVC, who do you call the favorite? The betting favorite's Loyola. You and I is the number one seed. You guys got Missouri State on your side of the bracket. Who's your favorite going into this, taking Drake out of the equation? Yeah, I mean, all year, Loyola has been the favorite for me. And I, I think a big part of that is just the culture that's around that program and the history of winning and especially making big plays in big games. Now, the challenge is, man, Loyola's, Loyola's task at hand to have to play Bradley a team that they, they split with, that then have to go back to you and I, a team that they split with, and then potentially play either Drake or Missouri State in the championship. That is a heck of a mm. grind. Now, the good thing about Loyola, that's just it's such a balanced group, and they're, they're pretty deep as well. It, it, it does look like they're going to pretty much have a full roster uh, for, the, for the conference tournament. And, and remember, I mean, they were missing a pretty big piece. Marquise Kennedy not playing, just what he is able to bring that team in terms of athleticism and offense uh, really helps change them to have a guy that can then can create with the ball in his hands. But I, I think Loyola has to be the favorite just based on that pedigree. But when you look at those top four, whether it's you and I, whether it's Missouri State, whether it's Drake or, or Loyola, man, flip a coin because it has been incredibly competitive all year. And it just, not only have they played close games, it just comes down to a lucky bounce here and there. And when you're putting that through a few game permutations, not only will it be fun, but if anybody tells you they know what's going to happen, they're crazy. <laughs> Last thing for you, Adam, uh, and you mentioned earlier the the league is different. Creighton leaves, Wichita State leaves, Loyola comes in. Uh, now they're going to leave. I, look at, and I think that they've not only replaced Loyola. I think the league has a chance to be better next year. Uh, the Valley is a survivor, if nothing else. 
Yeah, well, I, I think it is, if, if you're talking about basketball conferences that don't fit that Power Five moniker, other than the Big East, I mean, the Valley, the Valley is right there. And I, I think part of what you've seen with Jeff Jackson is a move toward long-term sustainability. Murray State is having a fantastic year. Belmont dropped a pretty big game to Murray State, and it was a little bit lopsided. But Belmont's had a great year as well. Belmont uh, has played a number of teams in the Valley, beat Drake earlier this year, beat Evansville as well. I think the addition of those two gives you a, a quick infusion of a lot of basketball talent. It expands your market into Nashville, which I think is fantastic mm-hmm. for the league as well. Uh, it's disappointing to, to hear the Loyola news, uh, but you know, having UIC keep Chicago in the Valley – I, I think the league right now, you look at the top four teams, any one of those top four teams can win a game in the NCAA tournament, no matter what seed they are, full stop. Adding, add in Belmont and Missouri, and uh, excuse me, Murray State to that group. And, man, I, I hope everyone that has the opportunity to come back next year in terms of the super senior rule can't does come back, and uh, it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun to watch. Great stuff. Thank you for doing this, Adam. As always, we appreciate the relationship. Uh, thank you, Adam Emmenecker. Good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yep, good to talk to you. Adam Emmenecker, former Drake Bulldog, and uh, now doing uh, a whole bunch of games on ESPN+. Plus. It does a nice job. Works a lot with Larry Morgan. Uh, Matt Wells, right, from mm-hmm. uh, Matt Wells. To, uh, that was the last game I saw that Adam worked with. Updated odds for winning the Missouri Valley. This comes from Bet Rivers. Loyola, your favorite, plus 175. Mm-hmm. Missouri State, the second choice, now plus 225. Because weren't they all even yesterday when yeah, we talked Drake, about Drake, you and I, and most states. Yeah. They must have taken some bare money there. Drake, you and I, both still at 5-1, to one, then Bradley at 8-1. to one. We'll come back, wrap up our number one baseball conversation, kicks it off. Are we close? Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com, will join us. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Bets off. Welcome back. Final couple of minutes. Hour number one, hour two. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. He writes on Major League Baseball. Matt Postens will help us out with the Big 12 at about 1130. Again, these Baylor Bears, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, they have certainly uh, looked as though they're March ready. They were last year. Repeat out of the possibility. Chance. Win it all. Win it all. Again. Yeah. I think I put them in that group. The I gap think you between, have to. Yeah. Gonzaga's still good. I know the St. Mary's game concerned some people over mm-hmm. the weekend. Their numbers, the gap between them, they're going to be there. And you know what? Their odds didn't move. No. They're I, the team I'm still most confident in. The Zags, yeah. yeah. I am too. We uh, love that Kentucky team. Do, we both, really we've do. been on that bandwagon mm-hmm. for a while. We both fired at them in the futures market. We both like Kentucky. Again, if healthy. Is Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington going to be healthy? Well, if they're not, I don't like their chances. Duke playing in that ACC. So yeah, did, I throw, speaking of by the way, speaking of Duke, did you see what the get-in price at Cameron Indoor is on Saturday? I saw a little notification come in. What is the 5, number? Fifty-three hundred will get you in the door. In the door for a single. For a single at Cam- to see Shashevsky's final home game against Carolina. Against Carolina, which is pretty special. How I mean, about Carolina escaping last night, yeah, too? Yeah, they did, and that was an escape. They had to go to overtime to do it. They had to have that uh-huh. game. Uh-huh. 
That's a weird resume, too. Yeah, you know what? Um, obviously, the, the whole conference, the ACC, for the mm-hmm. most part. Can Duke win it? I don't think they can. I don't have one Duke ticket. I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind. I think they can. I've taken a stand on them. I can't bet them all. Well, you're trying. I've got it surrounded. Uh, anyways, hour number two coming up. We're going to talk baseball. Are we close? Boy, it feels like we are. Wouldn't it just be like Major League Baseball to tease us that we're so close? It's 70 degrees outside. Uh-huh. kind of feels like we're on the cusp of baseball and then have the rug pulled out from underneath And I know us. right away what you're going to do. What's that? Start betting baseball futures. <laughs> I'm out of money. Hour two coming up. Miller and Condit, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.